Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be the Ethiopian eunuch. Let's begin today in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, beginning in the 26th verse, it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran timber to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb, dumb before a shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. In this chapter, we find the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. There's a lot in this chapter that we can learn from. It's important that we get a better understanding of who exactly this eunuch was and what exactly happened here. The first thing we need to look at is why he was there. Verse 27 told us, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was now on his way back home. This is a significant fact because of the distance that he traveled. He went a distance of 1,600 miles one way, 3,200 miles round trip. This is even more remarkable when we keep in mind that this was an age where the only modes of transportation were chariot, horseback, or walking. This was an incredibly long and arduous journey that would take a long time to make, but he made it anyway. He was there because he wanted to be there. He desired to worship the Lord. Throughout the entire journey, he would have had countless opportunities to turn around and go back home where things would be easier. But he didn't quit. He kept going until he did what he came to do. The fact that he was a eunuch, a castrated man, adds another element to this story that's rarely ever talked about. According to Levitical law, he wasn't allowed to enter into the temple to worship. Deuteronomy 23 and 1 tells us, He that is wounded in the stones, or hath his privy member cut off, shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. He went all this way, 1,600 miles to the temple and 1,600 miles home, just to be able to stand outside the temple and worship the Lord. What this shows more than anything else is commitment, and not just any type of commitment, but wholehearted commitment, commitment that wouldn't be deterred. The fact that he was a eunuch shows this even more clearly. Eunuchs weren't castrated for no reason. It was done in order for them to serve a specific role, especially because of their working in close proximity to the queen. The word eunuch in the Greek means a chamberlain, 
keeper of the bedchamber of an eastern oriental potentate, a castrated person, one who voluntarily abstains from marriage. This reveals to us that this was something that he did voluntarily. He willingly relinquished any possibility he would ever have of being a father, which shows that he was decisive about wanting to serve the queen, and that he was wholeheartedly committed. This decision made him look strange, speak strange, and it made him an outsider to the normal culture. But it shows that he was more concerned with how he served than what others thought about him. This makes it less difficult to understand why he would make such a radical decision to travel so far to a place where he wasn't even allowed inside and to worship a god that wasn't even the god that his people served. He went against his own culture. He went against his own people and their beliefs. But we see that God didn't look past this. God took notice and met him along the way. The next thing that we need to make note of is the fact that he was the treasurer for the queen. It's easy to think when we're reading about the eunuch that he was a low-level servant who worked in the palace or in the treasury department, but there wasn't anything low-level about him. Instead, in verse 27, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure. This was a man with great authority. In the Greek, the phrase great authority means a ruler, a potentate, a man who rules by force, a member of the court, someone mighty in power. He was in charge of all the treasure. All means all, which shows that he was in charge of a great amount of wealth and resources and had the job of always keeping track of and accounting for these things. The queen wouldn't give this level of authority and jurisdiction to just anyone. When it comes to wealth, People are extremely cautious with who they allow to be in charge of it, especially when it comes to the immense wealth held by nations. This reveals to us another aspect of his character, that he was trustworthy. As we've looked at it other times, trust isn't like love. It's not blind and unconditional. It's something that's earned and that's built up over time. This shows that over the course of his life and period of service in the palace, he had time and time again proved himself to be a trusted confidant of the queen. He could be trusted with a position of great stewardship because he was faithful and he was responsible, both of which are honorable and necessary characteristics for his type of service. The fact that he was treasure lets us know that this man wasn't a fool. He was very intelligent. We also see this in the fact that he was literate, which wasn't common in those days. It's important to make note of the fact that he had a copy of a scroll of the book of Isaiah. In those days, centuries before the printing press was invented, all scrolls had to be handwritten by scribes, which made it far more difficult to have possession of one. The fact that not only could he read the scroll, but that he also had his own personal copy of it is remarkable and was one of the privileges of his high position in the government. The fact that Ethiopia was not a nation that feared the Lord reveals that this wasn't something that would be widely known there, or something readily available, even to government officials. This was a scroll that the eunuch would have had to actively seek for. It would require a great deal of time and effort to find a copy of the book of Isaiah. Knowing that he had a hard-to-come-by scroll, and knowing his position as the head of the treasury, there's something else we can infer about his character. Having this scroll isn't something that he would take lightly. It's something that he would cherish greatly, and something that he would value greatly. 
As treasure, he was a man who knew and understood value. And when he had the word of God, he knew the immense value that he was holding. After Philip asked him if he understood what he read, the eunuch replied in verse 31, And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip they would come up and sit with him. We find desire here again. Just like he desired to go to Jerusalem to worship, he desired to learn more. He wanted to understand the word of God. And we see that he was a meek and honest man. A man of his position could have easily found Philip's question condescending. But he didn't. He fully acknowledged and admitted that he didn't understand what he was reading, and he showed that he was open to and willing to learn. One of the meanings of the word desired in this verse, in the Greek, is to beg. He was begging Philip to explain the word of God to him, so that he could better understand the Lord. This shows that he earnestly wanted to know the scriptures. The eunuch was an outsider, not even allowed to enter into the temple. But that didn't deter him from worshiping. He knew the value of worship, and he knew the value of the Word of God. The reason this story is so important for us to know is because we find part of our own story in his. We've all been like the eunuch. We've all had a desire to learn, and we've all had a desire to worship, and we still do. That's why we're listening to this program today. And God's taken notice of this, and just like with the eunuch, he meets us where we are, and he sent people into our lives to teach us. We know that we need to be taught. Romans 10 and 14 tells us, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? When we make our desire known to God, that we want to learn his word, and we truly mean it, we can rest assured that he will teach us. Psalm 25 verses 8 to 9 tell us, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach in his way. He'll teach us both inwardly through the leading of the Holy Spirit, and outwardly through men of God that he puts in our life for the express purpose of teaching and explaining the word of God to us. The first thing that we can learn from the eunuch is the importance of being willing to learn. The worst mistake that we can make is not being willing to learn and not having a desire to grow deeper in the things of God. We can have as much of God as we want, or as little as we want. But why should we stop with just a little, when there's so much more of Him that He wants to give to us? We can't allow ourselves to fall for the lie of the enemy, that we know everything that we need to know, or that we don't need to keep learning. Learning is something that we're always meant to do. It's a lifelong journey of growing deeper with God. We can learn all that he wants to teach us, but we first had to be willing to open ourselves up to be taught. It's been said that anyone can be taught, but you have to want to learn. The eunuch wanted to learn, which is why God sent Philip to teach him. If he didn't want to learn, he would have went on his way and in turn never met Christ, which shows the difference that a desire to learn can make in our lives. It could be the difference between an eternity spent with God or apart from Him. The first step is to admit that we don't know everything and that we still have a lot more to learn. Esau said in Psalm 73 and 22, So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Esau, like the eunuch, was honest with himself, and more importantly, he was honest with God. 
He knew that he needed to be taught. Another man who knew this was Agur, who wrote in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 2 to 3, Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor had the knowledge of the holy. When we come before the Lord with the desire to learn and with the understanding that we need to be taught, He will teach us all that we need to and all that we want to know. The second thing that we can learn from the eunuch is about the importance of understanding value. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46 tell us, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Being a treasure over an entire nation, the eunuch would understand better than anyone the treasure that he was holding in his hands. He knew that as he read the scriptures, he was reading an inexhaustible treasury of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. He knew that he was learning about a pearl of great price, and he proved the value that he found in God's word in the fact that he traveled so far to be in the presence of God, and in the fact that he desired and begged to be taught the meaning of it. We need to understand value like he did. We can't fall for the deception of the enemy that tries to tell us that the Bible is just an outdated book, or a book of fairy tales, or a book of just good moral lessons. It's none of those things. It's a pearl of great price. It's a treasury of God's wisdom. And it's a love letter that God's written personally to you. Our Bible is our most important possession, and we should treat it as such. We should spend time reading and studying it, and then we should allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so we can apply that knowledge and live out the Word. When we see the value and the treasure of the Word, we should be willing to sacrifice to get the treasure, just like the eunuch did. Sometimes the sacrifice is just taking the time out of a busy day to read the Word. Sometimes it's finding a place to be alone with God, meditating on His Word. And sometimes it's getting to the house of God to hear the Word, even if it's a long distance away or not a convenient time. We're blessed that we don't live in a time where the only copies of God's Word are handwritten scrolls copied out by scribes. We live in a time where we can easily get a copy of the Word at any bookstore, and we could have it always with us on our phones. Now the Word can go with us wherever we go, whenever we want it. But we can't let this blessing turn into a curse. We can't let its accessibility and familiarity go unnoticed, unutilized, and unappreciated. We should take full advantage of this blessing. Let's go to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, beginning in the 19th verse, it says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mount, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mount nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, 
he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. When we perceive value in the word of God, or in the things of God, or just in having God as a part of our life, we shouldn't let that perception end in itself. It should drive us to action, and that action is worship. Worship is a contraction of two words, worth and ship. It's an outward demonstration of our putting a value on the things of God. We worship because we want to express to the Lord our love and respect for Him. We give love and respect to those whom we value, and there's no one we should value more than the Lord. He's meant to be our all in all, our everything, and when this is true, and when we value Him and His Word in this way, we won't be able to help but worship. It's the natural byproduct of valuing Him. Now we don't have to go to the temple, which represented the presence of God. Now we can worship wherever and whenever we want, because we have Christ within us. The presence of God goes with us wherever we go. This is how we're able to worship in spirit and in truth. And this was a lesson that the eunuch learned firsthand. Now, instead of him not being allowed into the temple to be in the presence of God, God came to dwell within him, and he became the temple. Now he didn't have to go inside the temple, because the temple was inside him. The third thing that we can learn from the eunuch is the importance of commitment. He not only showed his commitment when he traveled such a great distance, he showed it again after he met Christ, when he was baptized. He desired to be baptized. We need to remember that they were in the Gaza desert, where water was hard to come by. When he saw water, he seized that opportunity that the Lord was giving him. He didn't let his chance pass him by. He said in verse 36, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He wanted to commit his life to the Lord. He wanted to not only be a servant of the queen. He made his desire known that he wanted to be a servant of the king of kings. Verses 37 and 38 tell us, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. We find here again that he was wholehearted in his commitment. This was one of his characteristics. When he devoted himself to something, he did it fully, without any indecisiveness or reservations. The commitment that the eunuch showed in both natural and spiritual things shows that he took his vow to Christ seriously. Our life and our journey of faith may not look identical to that of the eunuch, but we're called to emulate his commitment, his perception of value, and his desire to worship. We're not servants in the natural, but we are in the spiritual. We've given ourselves to Christ to serve him, and we need to take this seriously. We need to be and stay committed. We need to value the pearl of great price that we all have, and we need to worship every time that we had the chance. We need to follow the eunuch's example, and when we do, God will meet us where we're at, and we'll be able to rejoice like the eunuch did. Verse 39 says, And he went on his way rejoicing. He rejoiced because he had something to rejoice about. God came to him. The God who died outside the camp came to the one who worshipped outside the temple and gave him a new life. The one who wasn't allowed in the presence of God, now through Christ, was birthed into the family of God and now had God within him. And the Lord's done the same thing for all of us, who through sin shouldn't have been allowed to come before God, 
but he came to us. And not only did he come to us, but he came within us to make us new. Because the same way that we saw the value in him, he saw the value in us as his creation, as his friends, and as his children. And he saw the value in the blood of his son that covers us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your word. We thank you that like the eunuch, you've put a desire deep within us to want to learn and to want to grow deeper in the things of God. Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is right now working within us to enlighten our minds, to grant us wisdom so that we can understand the knowledge that we've been given and so that we can rightly apply it in our lives. We thank you for your word, the pearl of great price, your written will. And we thank you that you've made known to us what you would have us to do. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to not only know your will, but to then live it out in the way that you would have us to do so. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the ability to be and stay committed. And we thank you that the same way that we want to be committed, that you stay committed to us and that you promise to never leave and never forsake us. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the ability and the freedom to worship. Lord, we love you and we respect you. We want you to know that from the bottom of our hearts. And we thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be like the eunuch and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.